Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 43. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison. You might still hear a little bit of stuffiness in my voice, and that's because what I thought was just a really long cold turned out to be a viral chest infection. But we're on the up and up now. I'm back to exercising and whatnot, so it's all good. And who watched the Oscars on the weekend? I thought this year was pretty good. You know, they were shorter, uh, and the winners were, were pretty diverse. I, I, I heard there was some, some backlash at Green Book winning Best Picture, but to be honest, I thought it was I thought it was a fantastic movie. A very good script, very well written, great dialogue, and great heart, great meaning. Uh, I think a lot of people expected Roma to win, which uh, I saw also and thought was very good. Uh, definitely deserved cinematography and, and, and some visual awards. But for me, me particularly, uh, movies are about equally being having artistic value as well as uh, being enjoyable. And I, I, I thought, personally, I thought Green Book was a more enjoyable movie, so I, I was pretty happy with it winning. I think I, think I like these Oscars a lot because because a lot of the movies were music based this year and as of course as you know from this podcast I'm a, a music lover but I was I loved Stars Born that was probably my favorite movie of the year Bohemian Rhapsody I'm a huge Queen fan and Rami Malek was was unbelievable I was so happy to see him take best actor and then and then Green Book as well was also a music based uh, movie um, so maybe maybe I am a little bit biased with my love of music. I don't know. <laughs> and what about that steamy hot Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga performance? Man, whew, it was like radiating off the TV. It was also really, really great to see such a strong animated movie category this year. I've, I've been drawing since I was a kid, and so I love animation, illustration, and cartoons. And, and usually, like, the Disney or Pixar movies are a shoe-in, which, like, this year they had two incredible movies. The Incredibles 2 and uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, both very, very good. But I was, I was very pleased to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse win. Uh, it had a great story, but also the, the art style, the animation style, was so unique and amazing. It, it felt like a video game. It was very, very cool. Loved it. Um, I haven't seen Mirai yet, and I really, really want to because I do love... It's not a Ghibli or Miyazaki film, but it, it looks... It's the similar style, and I love those films. Also, a little shout-out for us here in Toronto because the animated short bow was was made here. Uh, so congratulations to the uh, the ladies that, that worked on that. Anyways, although it is my party and I'll do what I want to, you didn't tune in today to listen to my opinion. So let's move on to uh, today's episode. This interview I was really, really excited for because Congos are one of my favorite bands, modern day bands. They are so, so awesome. There's something about like sibling bands, I think, that just makes them that little extra bit good <laughs> or like a really really tight unit you know because you know they are family but i think there's something about the you know they probably don't hide as much from each other they're a little more comfortable with each other they're not as embarrassed about as much so maybe they're willing to put more out there i, I don't know i don't know but uh it's kind of like kings of leon you know they're the tightest bands seem to be sibling bands and much like kings of leon congos is four brothers uh, they're four brothers from South Africa. They're now based, I think, in Phoenix. You probably know them from their uh, their smash hit, Come With Me Now. Fantastic tune, but man, they've they've got some like so much good music. They just released their fourth album, 
it's it's great. They've got so much material coming out because, um, as you'll hear in the interview, they were trying to get out of a record deal, and so in that time they they built up this backlog of of music. So I think they're releasing something like three albums in the next eighteen months. The first of which is out now. It's called Nineteen Twenty Nine Part One, and you'll you'll hear all about that in the interview. So we've got Danny Congos on the podcast. So Danny is what I mean. What I love also about Congos is. There's not a like a real front man. All four of them kind of share equal responsibility. They all, you know, are featured in different songs. They all sing. There's not like one main main guy. And maybe the bass player Dylan, uh, he might sing the most songs. But uh, overall, they all they all contribute a song here and there. And during their live shows, they're, they're like like Kings of Leon. They are better live than they are even on the album. Uh, definitely worth checking out their live show. But yeah, yeah, so it's like there's no front guy. It's just the four of them, uh, which is kind of cool because there's probably less of an ego thing then. So we've got Danny, who is one of the vocalists and the guitarist. And I met with him just before their show uh, at Lee's Palace here in Toronto. Nice, intimate venue. Uh, We met on their tour bus, so I actually did meet pretty much all the guys. I don't think I met the drummer, but the other three, the other two I met, and then Danny and I did the interview. Very nice guys. very cool, very humble. They've got a really cool documentary, YouTube series documentary called Bus Call, which kind of shows you in depth behind the scenes to what it's like to be a touring band. And I highly recommend it because it is, it's like some of it's quite shocking or like, you know, really takes away a lot of the glamour of what you think being in a band is like and the, you know, the day-to-day things that they have to deal with. Um, so I check that out. So as always, uh, before we get into the interview, I'm going to give you five songs by Congos that are recommended by the Adamantium podcast. And this one was really hard for me because I like so many other songs. But I, I kind of gave you, I have like a kind of like a good base here for you and, and ones that are relevant to this podcast. So uh, the first song that I'm going to recommend uh, is off the new album. It's the first single off 1929. It's called Pay for the Weekend. Uh, the second song I'm going to recommend is that smash hit, Come With Me Now. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it, but if not, it's a must-listen to. It's from their second album, Lunatic, which I actually I recommend that entire album. It's amazing, front to, front to back. Um, I'm also going to recommend I'm Only Joking from that album. And then from their third album, Egomaniac, I'm going to recommend Take It From Me. And then I thought I should give you a song where Danny's kind of the lead, since you're going to be listening to Danny in the interview. So uh, the second track on Egomaniac is called The World Would Run Better. And great song, and uh, Danny's the lead on that one. And then just a quick reminder that if you are listening to the Adamantium podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do hit that subscribe button for us. Leave us a comment and a rating if you do not mind. Also, we are now on Spotify, so if you are a Spotify user, you can now subscribe to the Adamantium podcast on there too. Uh, You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter just by searching the Adamantium. And now, at long last, it is time for me to introduce to you my friend Danny Congos from the band Congos, right here on episode number 43 of the Adamantium Podcast. Enjoy, everyone! We're here with Danny Congos from Congos. Uh, thanks for taking the time, like of I said, 
I'm a, I'm a big fan myself. Um, uh, since since the since I first heard you guys, really. Um, so yeah, thank you again for taking the time. Congratulations on the new album. Thank you. Yeah. And the tour. Yes, it's uh, uh, part one of three. Uh, yes. The next two parts should be coming. Soon. Yeah. So I, I'm going to ask about that. The first thing I want to ask about though is, uh, you know, you picked a crazy time to be touring Canada. <laughs> yeah, we've got the we've got Canadian booking agents, and they probably just think it's funny to send us out. Maybe in the yeah. Winter maybe. yeah. How was, I, I saw you guys were in Winnipeg a few days ago, it, and that yeah. must have been... <laughs> <laughs> I think that was... I mean, we've been in Buffalo or Niagara Falls, and okay. we've had ser uh, similar weather. It was negative 20 or something like that. Um, yeah, it was... Luckily, we were close to the venue. You know, you basically go from a bus to a to venue, venue, so you're yeah. not really... You're not Hanging really in outside. it, yeah. Yeah, but it does make uh, it makes uh, the cruise life a little difficult, and you know, of course, yeah. leaving the bus is a little more of a palava. Mm -hmm. For sure, man. Um, so, like you said, you released 1929. Um, so, first of all, what is the significance of the year 1929? Uh, it is a reference to the start of the Great Depression, you okay, know, and also the party that led up to it. Uh, it's uh, the album cover is a bubble. Yes. Know? So we were kind of interested in um, bubbles and the psychology of that. We're not like obsessed with economics, but there is a line in Pay for the Week and this is the one that makes me want to party like it's 1929. Yes, yeah. So um, well, there's a there's some themes of uh, reality kind of bursting, you know, okay. um, or at least your perception of reality bursting. Okay. And so what makes 1929, like you said, there's three parts to it. What made, when you guys were coming up with the concept of this album, what made it you know, we can't, you know, we can't do this in one album, we need a three-parter to do this. We spent maybe two years trying to get out of our record deal and okay. with, with Epic, and it was just a very long process, as you can imagine, with, mm -hmm. a, you know, with a corporation that's interested in owning assets. So it took us a long time to get out of that, and in the interim we had built up this material mm -hmm. that we were reluctant to release with them. So we basically are sitting on a backlog, and rather than, we wanted to at least make it a longer project. We know that people consume music differently now, you know, so a, a single is an album kind of thing, you know, in terms of how you perceive it. Right. So uh, we just figured, why don't we just release a kind of constant stream of music for the next 18 months. Okay. So then when should we expect part two? Um, definitely this year. Both parts. So also this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, part two will for sure be this year. Part three maybe next year. Okay, very cool. Very cool. I mean, uh, so part three either this year or next year. How many How many songs are we looking at in total? It'll be like thirty three or something like that. Okay, okay. And you guys have been doing kind of uh, these digital documentaries, the bus calls. Mm -hmm. and I watched quite a few of them, um, and podcast the the front the front lounge. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and I like I like what I like, especially about Bus Call, is that um, it doesn't just show like the the glamour of being a rock band and stuff. It really <laughs> gets into the nitty gritty yeah. of of touring, and I mean to the point where I was watching it and getting anxiety just watching what was <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> um, yeah, we that was initially we wanted to do like um, Last Call with David Tell or, or No Reservations thing where we were going to go to each town and then after the show or before the show go explore do a kind of travel based show and we had zero time we completely underestimated how much how difficult that would be to do while touring you know mm -hmm. so then we just kept the cameras rolling 
So the kind of capturing of the less glamorous side of touring was just a natural consequence of leaving the cameras rolling. Okay. Um, there's a we felt like the lower levels of touring, you know, van touring. They've, there's been stuff made like that, and obviously the the upper echelon of private jets and mm-hmm. you know, tricked out dressing rooms has kind of been captured. But there's this middle level where most people don't know really know how it works or what goes into a show, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and also they don't understand the crew's perspective and what a crew does. Right. So we wanted to capture all of that. Yeah, and, and a lot of it was from the uh, Egomaniac tour. Yeah, it, most of it was from 2016 and 17. Yeah, so and it was released this year, so did you guys have this kind of idea all along, or did you kind of this year be like, look, we have all this footage, can we... No, we, we, had, we had the idea for Bus Call pretty early, you know, okay. and the kind of concept and the name. Um, and then we started to edit, and certain storylines took shape. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, it was kind of the mechanics of it, just the day-to-day, you know, kind of capturing like a, almost like a TLC type thing, right. you know, what yeah. goes into touring. And then through the thread that eventually developed was uh, family or familiarity, you know, amongst us, because we're obviously brothers and the crew, because you're like a little traveling circus, you know? Okay. So, um... I mean, and you guys, the four of you, you really guys have a, I notice you have pretty much, you're really hands-on with every aspect of your tour, from the lighting to the graphics that were on on the screen and stuff like that. You guys were first-hand doing that, um, which yeah, I, I mean, found really interesting. Well, lighting, we we had a hand in, but we didn't, we're not lighting people, you know, we had a lighting. No, yeah. I know, but you guys were can kind of contributing. Uh, sure, yeah, 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 And like, oh, no, let's move this over here and stuff We've like that. We've got an Whereas, endless supply of fucking opinions about everything. Right, right. <laughs> Which initially Which is kind of maybe off-putting, but then I think people who end up working with us grow to like, you know, because yeah. you, you find like-minded people and then it becomes a more collaborative, creative and thing. I, I imagine being all brothers, too. There's a few uh, butting heads. And, totally, especially yeah. about music, you know. Um, okay. We, we've kind of figured out a system by which we can uh, allow the group and the individual to coexist, you know? Right, right. I think uh, I've always noticed with, with sibling bands and stuff that there's almost like an extra layer of depth that comes in the music, too. Um, I mean, you guys have toured with, with Kings of Leon, mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. Um, there's almost like that extra comfort level, probably, you know? Uh, I think so. I think if a band stays together long enough, they get that yeah. level of comfort, you know, and then it may just happen a little quicker with, with right, others, you know. Of course. Mm. Um, so what keeps you guys, what kind of keeps you guys when you're in the tour, like some you know, some of some, maybe actually as a, as a little trailer for our listeners, what, what are some of the, the follies that most people might not realize happen on a tour? Uh, there's just logistical issues every day, which the tour manager is dealing a lot with, mm-hmm. and your and uh, production manager, you know, um, and then the the kind of perennial issue is you're you're in you're in close quarters, you know, with people. Yes, yes. So it's a, it's a buildup of personalities, and if you've got the wrong personalities on a tour, it makes it much more difficult mm-hmm. like these guys we're out with now fitness are some of the easiest people we've ever toured with okay they're like because they've all done it they've done it so much are you guys all on the same bus oh yeah we're all on oh, this yeah. one there's okay. 12 there's 12 of us there's 12 bunks so every bunk is filled that's why there's wow. so many fucking bags back here yeah um 
usually you put like stuff in a junk bunk and it's obviously in the middle of winter so you you need a you need a group of people who are very um easy to easy going basically you know yeah, yeah. like they can't be too fussy about anything right um and then yeah you just I don't know, you kind of get into a zone, you get into a kind of trance where you just wake up in a new city and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> eventually you stop checking the map and uh, figuring how, out where you, you are. How do you stay motivated on a day where, you know, you're maybe not, you didn't get enough sleep, you didn't, you know... It's actually sick, easier, like... <laughs> yeah, you do, you you don't sleep, and if you do, it's not that great, um, and you, you obviously are more likely to get sick and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the motivation Which is crazy part, when you live in a performance right. you know, <laughs> career. <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds kind of silly, but like occasionally you got to stop talking and stuff like that. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, which is a it's a funny uh, work hazard to have. Yeah. But uh, the motivation part is actually pretty easy because it's a bit like um, military life without the struggle. You know, without the without the danger. Right. Because you have your tasks set out ahead of you, so there's not much need for motivation. I find the I find a lack of motivation is much more prevalent when you're left to your own devices and you're trying to finish a project right. and you don't have a deadline. Okay. Every day on tour, you've got many deadlines. You've got yeah. yeah. So it kind of keeps you chugging along regardless of your uh, mental state. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned about shoving all of you in here. It's it's kind of cooperating as a unit, and it's you know some people find it hard enough to travel with a friend for two weeks. Right. You know, yeah. Let alone be stuck in a bus. For totally. Yeah. Same people. <laughs> That's two months. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's there's a level of camaraderie that people who've toured together have, because they, it obviously brings that out. You you get mm -hmm. to really really know people, you know, and it's obviously good uh, relationship advice for people to you are trying out a relationship, go on a trip, you know, right. really tested. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you guys how do you guys stay healthy on you know? Um, it's a lot of drinking. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, we two, 2014 and 15 we, there was zero health. Yeah. maintenance it was just it was it felt like a two-year party you know um now we actually i don't know if you've watched bus call episode eight i did i watched so i i or i think i heard it on the podcast that some of you were doing yoga in the venue and yeah, stuff like that and dylan um the bass player and singer he he's been doing yoga for a long time he does i think he does every day he does ashtanga mm -hmm. in at a place in la and so he's slowly convinced us all to get into it okay. i still you know, it's still one of those things that you you want to make fun of at any, at any <laughs> chance. <laughs> the line in Bus Call is, um, is uh, we get into this huge argument, and for whatever reason, uh, it's str it struck me as necessary to say to to them that none of your yoga has helped any of you cunts, you're still cunts. <laughs> so, that, and the funny thing is they won the argument, they convinced me to start doing yoga, so... There you go. There you go. Yeah, because yeah, it's tough. Even in you know, especially because it's winter, it's not like you can go for a jog or something. Right, right. Like that. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's, but... it's pretty convenient. It takes up a little mat, you know. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, and you know, with you guys, like every day, you've got a, sh a show at mm -hmm. the end of the night. Um, you're doing bus call. You're doing the podcast. How, how do you, how are you managing all these projects? at want you're writing music. It's how are you managing this all at once? Um, well, the. Luckily, the podcast is like, nobody's like breathing down our neck. So if we skip one occasionally, it's not a big deal. Um, we don't have cameras out on this tour, so that's a, a relief actually. That was that wore us out. Was uh, bus call wore us out because touring okay. and filming and filming. Yeah, yeah, it was 
because we had one camera guy, we were often involved, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. That was tiring. Editing also for for whatever reason, bus call is by far the hardest thing yeah, we have to work yeah. on. Just, well, I mean, as most uh, I used to work on a production company as well. A lot of right. people don't realize the <laughs> the grunt work that goes behind even a thirty second spot. Even. Right. Yeah. yeah. We uh, it was just it was a new world for us. You know, yeah. we were we were learning that we needed a hundred terabytes of storage, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and more and more, more shit than you anticipated. Especially because it's almost like a reality based, you've right. got lots of footage, I'm sure. Yeah. And then you got to go through all that footage. And <laughs> yes. The first day of kind of looking into footage was daunting because it was impossible to see how a story could be made could out be, of it. Yeah. Because you're seeing a two minute clip out of context, you know, so just the initial, initial prep work of watching the footage and familiarizing ourselves with what was in there yeah. took, you know, months. Yeah. And did you guys have a producer or anything like that working, or did you guys produce it all yourself? No, we um, edited some episodes, and then there was a guy who came out on a number of the runs to film a friend of Jesse, the drummer's, um, who was a commercial director and editor from Chicago. And he and his wife um, edited a lot of the episodes, mm-hmm. uh, which we, we kind of, you know, were, I don't know what our role is, produ- producing. Yeah, um, right. And then we had a couple guys doing dailies at uh, different points, you know, just logging footage and stuff. Right. Okay. So, I mean, when, again, like the most interesting thing about Congos, I think, is is that you're a family band, you know, four four boys. Um, your father was a, a musician. Yeah. Um, and you're you were the baby. Right. Yeah. Of them all. So when you, I mean, I mean, when you were probably old enough to start learn, learning music. I'm sure your brothers were already playing instruments and stuff. Did was there ever any kind of pressure to catch up or or be a musician like them? Um, well, we grew up learning uh, piano basically as like a subject almost. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, our dad especially viewed it as something that you would. He wanted us just to have in our lives, regardless of mm-hmm. the career thing. Um, he, they, to be honest, they like I'm the, by far the worst piano player because. The, the task of getting a kid to practice piano mm-hmm. is uh, like diminishing returns, you know, like by the time you get to the fourth one, it's like it's pretty hard to, to get them to do stuff. Of course, um, yeah. So yeah, that was his initial mo- motivation is he wanted, he wanted music to be a part of our lives. We actually went to a Greek school in South Africa and one of the kind of Hellenistic principles is uh, math for the mind and music for the soul and gymnastics for the body. Yeah. And none of us are gymnasts, <laughs> and we're pretty bad at math. But the music part stuck. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he just viewed it as a subject, you know. And I, I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I feel like music is actually more of a long-term idea and long-term benefit mm-hmm. to anybody. It's of not, course, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it gives you kind of an emotional basis for certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we drifted towards instruments, that was just mostly happenstance. Jesse loved hitting shit, so he played the drums. Johnny was a by far the best keyboard player. Dylan and I played guitar. Um, and it came a lot of it out of the prospect of w- getting real jobs. You know, we realized, well, we kind of like this stuff, you know, we don't, you know, we would be nice to depend on each other, to have each other's backs, and the prospect of a real job is quite not ideal yeah you know so let's see if we can make this work right when you when you guys were growing up 
did you guys, uh, what kind of day jobs did you guys have? <laughs> we did, I mean, random stuff. I, I did, like, photography. <laughs> the guys, uh, Joey and the Johnny and Jesse did, like, they play they played gigs and stuff. They played gigs at, like, bar mitzvahs and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but to be honest... It's still music-based, yeah. Yeah. It, we, we didn't go to university, though. The two oldest guys went to a year and a half. They studied jazz at ASU, which is Arizona State. Yeah. And then... In as a, we had a choice. We could go to university or we could have support at home, mm-hmm. and we all chose that mm-hmm. um, because we. Our dad was a musician. He had built a studio, you know, and it was kind of he, university was crazy expensive, especially considering right. we had facilities at home. So basically, our parents supported us for a long time, mm-hmm. and then when we were finally able to get out of that, you know. We could we could stop having our dad do sound at shows and stuff like that. You know, it was a nice uh, nice relief for them. Yeah, and you, uh, I read somewhere that you did your first show when you were in the ninth ninth grade. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. it was at a talent show, I think. Uh, okay. Or lack of talent show uh, at high school. Yeah. Did you guys ever feel like you had alternative lives to the you know the average kid at school and? Yeah, because we came from South Africa to the States, so we we felt a little bit um, like outsiders, you know, which mm-hmm. I don't think is a bad thing. No. Um, and, yeah, a little bit, but at the same time, you you only live your life, you know, so right. it's, it's what's familiar to you. Yeah, but it's interesting that you pointed out being more so being an immigrant than being, you know, coming from a, 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 musical a musician's family, family, you know. That, right. Yeah, I, like I, I went to high school with... Uh, girl whose dad was a touring musician mm. and that she used to say all the time to her friends that you don't understand what it, what it's like having a dad that's never around and, oh oh you know, uh, he's, he's famous but right. he's never around so it's you know to be honest our dad never toured yeah he, so he was a he, he ran a studio in the uk he toured when he first moved to the uk and, mm-hmm. and south africa when he was a kid he toured a lot but by the time we were around, he was running a studio. Right. Um, but also, I mean, like, you guys were going to school. You guys were so heavily into music, and I'm sure the other kids weren't, you know? Like right, yeah. Or not, maybe not as right, much yeah. anyways. Yeah. Um, uh, and you mentioned, too, that you guys kind of drifted into your own instruments. Was there ever any, uh, you know, arguments? I'm sure mo- some of you know multiple instruments. Mm-hmm. Was there ever any arguments over who was going to play what in the band? Well, Dylan and I um, played guitar initially, and the very first iteration of Congos had a, f- a friend of Johnny and Jesse's. He was a bass player, mm-hmm. and he, for about six, eight months or something, he was playing bass, and then he moved to San Francisco. So then we put bass on uh, track. We put okay. it on a computer, and that that was eventually pretty unsatisfying because we wanted to do more free, longer sets. You know, mm-hmm. where we were just stuff was not locked right. um, so Dylan moved to bass and there was initially a bit of a resistance about that but uh, you know we just told him Sting plays bass Paul McCartney plays bass <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he still plays he still writes a lot on guitar and then live he plays guitar on a couple tracks on a couple tracks okay I find it interesting too because you guys are there's not necessarily a clear cut front man in combos it's kind of like it's right. really about the four of you you know yeah that is uh, the kind of the division I brought up about the group and the individual, we basically figured out if you let people direct their own songs and sing their own songs, mm-hmm. then we get a variety of songs written and a variety of personalities, 
and they can semi be unified by either our production or the all of us playing together. Mm-hmm. So that's our our method, you know. Very cool. Um, and I mean, as far as rock bands go too, uh, Congos is pretty kind of experimental. Um, you know, it's not just everyday. Sure. You know, power chords and <laughs> and and heavy drum beats. Um, do you think was that always kind of what you guys wanted, or just kind of came with how you guys were raised? I think that was just a product of our environment. We were exposed to a lot of music very early on from all around the world, you know. And it's mostly not our own genre that influences us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, pr- I'm rarely listening to alternative rock, right? right? You know, in headphones. So what 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 would you listen to? Uh, it, I go. It goes in spats. You know, I I get into like for a year. I was into this band called Punch Brothers. Uh, okay. They're a bluegrass, progressive bluegrass. I don't even know what to call them. They're mm-hmm. very adventurous bluegrass band. Uh, and then when it comes to world music, we're into a lot of African music, a lot of music from South Africa and Mali and Senegal, and, mm-hmm. and especially Mali. Mali's a is a deep well of amazing music. Right. Um, anyway, you can hear that in your. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you can hear you can hear certain influences for Especially sure. Especially with instruments like having an accordion in the right. band and stuff like that. It's the yeah. accordion. Yeah, the accordion is a is a <laughs> not rightfully maligned, but because of what people have been exposed to accordion wise. Right. Um, I can understand why it's 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 such a goofy instrument, but around the world, its use is much much better right. know, and really amazing. You know, there's. Um, Johnny listens to a lot of kind of Kowali music and Pakistani music. Okay. So a lot of the modes and stuff come from that kind of music. South African pop, South African township pop mm-hmm. uses accordion in a great way. Um, there's obviously like Astor Piazzolla is a famous Argentinian okay. accordion player. And when you hear the instrument like that, you realize, oh, it's quite, it's a very emotive instrument. It doesn't yeah. need to be yeah. this goofy, right. don, you know, polka thing. Um, and how are you guys keeping up with with the the, the music in South Africa? And you listen to, to South African we're, radio, or we're yeah, um, not really. We're always late to whatever's going on there. Like um, uh, Kwaito, we discovered Kwaito like ten years late when it was okay. a huge huge trend in South Africa. It's kind of Kwaito is like electronic slowed down house. Okay. Um, it's a there's a couple guys out there that really made it popular. Okay. But so yeah, I mean we we keep up, but we're usually just behind. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite random how we discover stuff. I mean Tinari when we discovered on uh, NPR, they're a, a Mali kind of blues band. Okay, very cool. So now that uh, part one's out and you're, you're touring till February, what's what's kind of next on the band's to do list? <laughs> um, we're gonna go back and get in the studio ASAP. Okay. Um, we have got a lot of part two and three recorded, but it's the finalizing and the kind of uh, minutiae that takes time. So. Right. So that's the next one. Yeah, so you guys be sure. doing festival season as well? And yeah, we're going to do a few uh, festivals in April or April, May and that kind of stuff. And then June we'll see. And But yeah, just basically recording and releasing music. Very cool. Well, Danny, appreciate uh, you taking again some time. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Best of luck in the show. I can't wait to see it. Awesome. Thank you. Adamantium.